What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hello, friends. Hello, friends and neighbors. And welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. What a great debate. Thursday night, September 12 in Houston. The third Democratic debate. Ten candidates on stage. Facing the audience in this order, left to right, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, Pete Buttigieg, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Andrew Yang, Beto O'Rourke, and Julian Castro. It was by far the liveliest, the most colorful, the most energetic, and the most substantive of all the debates so far. I was there in Houston in the debate hall. And afterwards, I got immediate reaction from several reporters and observers, including a couple of candidates in the spin room. And we're talking here after the debate, uh, first of all, with uh, Jeff Weaver. Jeff Weaver was the campaign manager for Bernie Sanders in 2016, still very much a part of the uh, 2020 campaign as a special advisor. Jeff, it's good to see you. Great to see you, Bill. How are you doing? What, uh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, how do you think Bernie did tonight? I think it was great. Look, I think he really set him up a uh, good contrast with Joe Biden on a number of important issues. Uh, Health care, obviously, uh, for much of the beginning of the debate, uh, certainly contrasted himself with the uh, vice president on the issue of the war uh, in Iraq, I think on trade policy. They also had a good uh, uh, you know, a contrast. So I think it was a good opportunity for Bernie to show uh, why he's the candidate that folks should be supporting. Right. Is it, do you see the ch first challenge for Bernie is Bernie Sanders versus Elizabeth Warren for the progressive uh, uh, lane, if you will? No, I don't think so, Bill, because I think all the research has shown that, in fact, at this point, their bases are very different. Bernie has a much more working class base, is much more diverse. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren at this point is attract, attracting what people commonly call the wine track vote, which is a you know more affluent, uh, upscale uh, voter. So, uh, you know, many of those voters did support Bernie Sanders last time, but right now there's not a lot of overlap in the bases. Now, for either one of them to be successful, they have to broaden their base. But, you know, I think at this point uh, it's important for Bernie to consolidate his support among working class people, among blue collar voters, uh, and to uh, further increase his support among uh, communities of color. So the line is that and the Biden campaign is using, look, our guy may be not that exciting, but he's electable. Bernie may be exciting, but not electable. No, and look, I think they've got a background uh, backwards. The truth of the matter is, is that we have to have an exciting candidate uh, in order to win. And if you look at Joe Biden's record in terms of a trade policy, in terms of the bankruptcy bill, uh, in terms of the war in Iraq, and a, and a host of other issues, you know, Joe Biden has not been on the side of working people for his entire career. And I think that's really going to hurt him if he were the nominee. Right. Uh, Bernie goes all the way? All the way. You got to go all the way to get the nomination. <laughs> Jeff, good to see you. And now we're talking here in the spin room with a good friend, a frequent guest on the uh, press pod. Yes, absolutely. Brad Woodhouse, uh, executive director of Protect Our Care. Uh, so, Brad, 10 candidates on stage. First of all, what does this say? What do you think about 
What this says about the Democratic Party, the field you saw tonight on stage? Well, look, I thought it was a tremendous field. I thought this was the best debate. I thought it was the best questions, the best moderators. And I thought, generally speaking, every uh, debater on stage tonight had probably their best performance. I mean, I don't think you could look at that debate and say anyone killed their chances or or really hurt hurt themselves. I mean, everyone had a moment, a, either a personal moment or a substantive moment. And I mean, I, I, look, if I were Donald Trump, and I looked at that debate, I would be extremely worried about my chances of getting of getting reelected if I had to run against you know any one of those people. Did you see any clear winner? I did not see a clear winner. I thought there were I thought there were winners of moments, and I thought. I thought, for example, Senator Harris had a really, really strong moment on health care when she went after Trump. It seemed that the audience was a lot more interested on the health care question uh, with a candidate that went after Trump than the candidates who were going after each other. I thought Beto O'Rourke had a really uh, strong moment, obviously, uh, on the issue on the issue of guns. I thought Booker had a great moment on uh, on the issue of race. I thought Biden had a great moment at the end about you know personal obstacles that he's had in his life including uh, the loss of you know the loss of family members and I mean I could go on I thought they all had really strong um, really strong moments that all of them will be able to use and that will be reported on but but it's hard I think in a three-hour debate to declare a clear and decisive winner but the first clash and maybe it was 20 minutes yeah was your issue you've talked yeah, about yeah, yeah, absolutely. Podcast yeah, yeah, about, yeah, yeah yeah and it was sort of the vice president saying, look, I want everybody to be covered, but yeah. we got to do this uh, step by step, if yeah. you will. And it was Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders saying, nope, let's throw, throw out what we got now yeah. and let's build a whole new system. Um, did either one of those lanes kind well, of so I, do you think I, I, dominate or I, win? I, well, I, I don't think any of it won, and I'll tell you why. It's because in every focus group, every poll that we've ever done, Coverage is not the thing that animates the American people. I mean, people want to see more coverage. Democrats want to see more people covered than Republicans or independents do. But what people really animates people in healthcare is how much it costs. It's the cost of prescription drugs. It's the cost of premiums, deductibles, and copays. And yes, we need to talk about coverage. But it was a missed opportunity for all the candidates not to do more and not to talk more about what they would do to cut the cost that people are paying. Uh, for drugs, for premiums, for copays, for coverage, and so that was a that was a missed a missed opportunity. I, you know, and I, I think I think that you you saw the reaction in the room was pretty tepid to either argument on coverage. I think because people have heard it, it's been really dominant in the first few debates, and I think people want to hear more. They want to hear how you take on Trump, what is your critique of Trump, and what is your plan to do and I did think this was an important moment I thought Booker and Biden did very well on this and Booker's for Medicare for all and Biden is not where they said no matter where you are on what we want to do that will take months or years to reform the system there are things we need to do right now and the minute we get into office there are things that we need to do uh, to make health care better for the American people and, and and that's a really important point that I think all the candidates need to grasp because whether it's Medicare for all or the option um, or Kamala's plan, none of that can be done overnight, but people are facing high medical bills right now. We're, where are we now in the Democratic Party? Third debate is behind us. Uh, ten candidates tonight. Do we see tonight the final ten, the final six? 
Well, the I, final three? Where well, are we? well, we know this. We know the next debate will have at least 11 because these 10 are already qualified and Tom Steyer has, uh, has qualified. I think, you know. Yeah, but re in reality. Well, no, I think in, in reality, and I'm not going to name them, but I think, you know, we're, you know, I think they're about six candidates that that really still have still have a shot and you know that you know when you think about about six candidates about seven candidates that's kind of where we were going in going into the Iowa caucuses in 2007 and 2008 it was a smaller field but it stuck stuck together longer and I think that's probably the range we'll be in uh, going into the end of this year. It may not be six or seven, it may be five or six, but I think that's about where we'll be. Candidates spend too much time attacking each other tonight and not enough time attacking Trump? Well, I thought there were some attacks that were egregious. I, I thought Castro's attacks on Biden, I don't think those went that went over well. I mean, I think at one point he was basically <laughs> suggesting that uh, Vice President Biden was too old, he was forgetful. I don't even think his facts were right in that, uh, in that charge. Um, I, I, I think for the most part, though, I thought that I thought that the the attacks were kind of fewer tonight, and the and the debate was actually a little more substantive. Um, you know, and so you know, I actually think I think there have been some more harsh personal attacks. I think in the previous debate, I remember the Castro Beto exchange in one debate, the Kamala Harris Biden exchange, and over busting in a debate. I actually thought tonight. There was a little more discipline. People were focused on their plans, their records, and a little bit more on Trump. What do you know in this room? Who do we run into? Nikki Schwab, who is the uh, all-around political correspondent in Washington, Congress, and the White House for the New York Post. Hello, Nikki. Hi, Bill. How you doing? Good to see you in Houston. Good to see uh, you too. All right, who won? Who won? I think some of the lesser-known candidates kind of won tonight. You know, I was. I think Klobuchar had some great moments. I think uh, Yang had some great moments. I think Castro tried to break out. I don't know how that's going to play because right. he really, really went after Biden, especially on the age issue. Uh, I wonder, you know, what Democratic voters vote in primaries? Probably some old people, so I'm not sure if that's actually going to work for him at the ballot box, but uh, it was definitely an interesting tactic and we'll get people talking about him as well. So did Joe Biden hold his own tonight or did he, you know, fall down a notch? I think he sort of remained the same. He hasn't really been a great, like, he has not been a great debate performer thus far. He actually, I don't think he's been that great on the trail thus far. So I think he's just kind of been the same. I don't think he like improved that well. I did think that he sort of explained his position and had more time because they weren't like cutting him off all the time because he was, you know, really taking time to sort of explain his position on perhaps going into a war with Iraq. And yeah. that particular vote that he made as a senator uh, that, you know, Bernie Sanders would happily point out and be like, you know, I was right on Iraq and you were very much wrong. And Biden tonight was like, no, no, I thought that we were going to go to the UN, get allies on board. I didn't think that we were just going to bomb Iraq. So coming into the debate, a lot of people were saying, look, Elizabeth Warren, this is her chance, right? She's catching up on Biden in the polls. She's got a show tonight that she's the one and not Joe Biden. How'd she do? I think she did fine. I don't think that she was the star of the show, which I think a lot of people were anticipating. I don't think she actually, you know, you know, she didn't kill her campaign. There wasn't a major gaffe. Uh, you know, she talked a lot about her biography, but you know, a lot of us already knew that. We knew she was from Oklahoma. We know that she's a school teacher. We know obviously about a lot of her plans, but tonight those plans weren't front and center. I think there's a lot of other people that were sort of floating their ideas for what could come next if a Democrat won. You didn't mention Cory Booker. I'm curious. Uh, I was impressed tonight. I, every time I hear Cory Booker speak, I think, God, he's so good. Yeah. 
why isn't he up there more? You higher? know, I, I did think his best line was uh, the, the vegan line. No, and let me tell you this in Spanish. No. I mean, that, that was his, his, you know, little yeah. sort of breakout moment. Yeah. And I think, I mean, the thing about Corey is that he's very polished. He's always sort of like on his, on his game. Uh, I, I don't know why he's not getting the kind of traction that you would expect from that kind of candidate. Right. Uh, did we see tonight the top, let's say, four or five? Are we down to that, do you think? I actually think that we, we kept the field a little bit wider. I think that Bernie had kind of a bad night. I think in part because he just didn't look well rested. I think that, you know, I literally tweeted, you know, when is SNL coming back? Because I was waiting for the Larry David impression of Bernie, you know, sort of coughing through the debate and, uh, you know, gesticulating wildly and yelling at Joe Biden. Like, you know that's going to be on an SNL episode. So I think he became a, sort of a caricature of himself. Uh, I think Joe Biden, you know, he's not the, he is the front runner, but he's not the obvious person that's going to win the nomination either. I think Kamala had an interesting strategy. The fact that she decided not to take on Joe Biden as strongly as she did in the last debate where she sort of fell flat and instead decided that we should, you know, be t taking on Trump as the entire Democratic Party. Yeah, right. Uh, so anyhow, we have one more debate to go with more candidates in the next one than in this Yeah, it'll one. be two nights again. So it'll be, again, we're going to be pulling out, uh, you know, names from a hat and then deciding what the spread is. But, you know, if there's only, let's say, 11, 12 candidates, it could be even more interesting because there'll be maybe six on six on stage. And then you might have more time to get into some of these issues and some of these ideas that they have. All right. Uh, we'll see you there. Yeah, I'll see you again on good. another podcast pretty soon. Thanks, Nikki. Thank you, Bill. Uh, here in the spin room, of course, we wouldn't be anywhere else. Jonathan Martin, <laughs> national political correspondent for the great New York Times, or the fading, failing... The flourishing New York Times, Bill, the flourishing New York Times. Uh, tonight, any clear winner? I thought when the front runner at the third debate does not trip up or take on any kind of water, he's probably the winner. So I think you could say by default, Biden was the winner. Look, he's not running away with this race. I don't think his frontrunner status is cemented by any means. But I thought he was steadier tonight than he was in the first two debates. Um, uh, understands the issues, obviously, and can speak with a great uh, authority. Uh, he was kind of rambling at, at times, uh, but there was no obvious misstep. There was no moment like, like with Kamala in the first debate, you know. It was a different Joe Biden in the first 20 minutes in this debate than yeah. we saw in debate number one. Seems like it. It seems like it. And there was nobody coming at him as aggressively as Kamala did in that first debate. You know, Castro tried, but it was like... To me, it didn't work that well with Biden. I think it would probably, would probably draw sympathy for, for Biden, actually. Yeah. Elizabeth Warren, how did she do? People felt that you, that, uh, not yeah. saying you, yeah. but people felt that wrote that tonight was a night where she had to sort of move beyond yes. Biden. Did she? She got a lot of time, I thought, at the outset especially. I thought she was very articulate talking about her economic views. I think she's a, a strong candidate. Um, she did, did not look to go on the offensive against Biden. I thought that she was more interested in talking about her own biography tonight. Here in Houston, a town where she went to college, where she taught, I think she wanted to talk more about herself tonight, introduce herself to viewers who don't know who she is. And she was, was more focused on that than going after Biden. Now, Bernie Sanders' bill, I thought, was much more interested in contrasting himself with the former vice president tonight. On trade, on health care, on the Iraq war, Bernie went on the offensive. Do you think it's because Bernie felt that he was starting to slip a little bit in terms of Elizabeth Warren? 
I think he definitely wants to show that he is the, the, the original progressive, exactly, that he has that mantle and that he's willing to kind of stake out his terrain. Um, he right off the bat talked about how he wrote that damn bill, which of course was one of his most memorable lines from the, se the second debate. And I think he, he wants to yeah, claim, claim his territory, exactly. Yeah, uh, so uh, after tonight, we're down to the top three. I don't think we're down to the top three. I think that there is certainly a, a big, hey, you see, Mike, I think there is certainly a, a, a big three right now. But, Bill, we're in mid-September, you know. There's a lot of game to be played here. Mid-September 2019. Correct, exactly. In football terms, having just started the, the season, you know, this is what, like maybe I would say like week four or five, right? Uh, and uh, the president wanted me to ask this question. Yes. How is the New York Times doing? Flourishing, Bill, flourishing. <laughs> Jonathan, good to see you. see you. One man who had a good night was Senator Cory Booker. He stopped in the spin room to take a question from a 13-year-old girl who was the youngest reporter in the room. With so many young people eligible to vote in the 2020 election and their main concern is the climate crisis, why are you really, truly best for the job? Look, because I know that this is an existential uh, crisis in our country, not 10 years or 25 years from now. It's affecting communities right now. Temperatures going up as a guy that lives in a vulnerable inner city community, it is exasperating asthma rates and other respiratory diseases. I visited with vulnerable communities like a Native American community in Louisiana who is already being evacuated because of sea level rise. Uh, I feel an urgency on this issue every single day because I know it's going to hurt the most vulnerable populations in our country first and they're already feeling that pain. And so I, I know that the people that are going to shape, though, this fight will be young people, whether they can vote or not. This is a fight that we all must be a part of. And I believe I'm the best person, not just to fight this fight, but to excite and energize more unity in this fight. So it becomes not a partisan fight, uh, but a national cause that we not only deal with this issue in our country, but lead the planet in getting uh, this crisis uh, something for the history books and not for our future. Thank you guys. Oh, I got to go to a fellow bald guy first. What's up? Did we hear you on guns? And where you, where you, where are you on whether or not you'd confiscate automatic weapons? You know, that, that, the word confiscation is a word that Republicans use to try to scare uh, gun owners. Uh, we had a nation that in the 1980s said that we are no longer going to have machine guns. Uh, we don't have machine guns anymore. We did it successfully. If you look around at other countries uh, that realize that these assault weapons are weapons of war that belong in the theater of war, they found constructive ways to get them off of our streets. Let's stop the fear monitoring. Let's make sure that we are a nation that does not allow weapons of war into our communities. Certainly, the way we're seeing right now where they're being used in mass shootings uh, with, with agonizing regularity. Several candidates talked about raising the minimum wage and other measures to help working families in America, which is why we're proud to have the support of so many labor unions for the Bill Press Pod, including the Smart Union, that combination of sheet metal, air, rail, and transportation workers, all under the leadership of President Joseph Sellers. We salute them and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. Check out their good work at their website, smart-union.org. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm-mm. 
Mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Spin Room talking with Andy Linsky, who's a national political reporter for the Washington Post. Uh, the debate, it ended early. Did they run out of gas? It seemed like that. I mean, I was really surprised. All of a sudden, it was over. Uh, has this ever happened before? A debate ends early? I'm used to these things going over. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, when they said we have, uh, at, with 40 minutes to go, they said we, we have one final question. I thought it had better be a good one. So uh, you watch the whole, uh, how much of the debate there was. Is there any clear winner? I don't think so. I mean, I, I think, I would say there's a class of winners, and that's sort of the lower chair candidates, who I think, you know, absent a big fiery exchange between Warren and Biden, got a lot of chance, got a lot of chances to get their points in. I mean, you Like heard, who? You heard Klobuchar. I think you heard Beto O'Rourke. You heard Harris. Um, I think... People to judge had a few really good answers, a few good moments, and I think they just got a little bit more oxygen um, because you didn't have the front runners seeming, they seemed to be a little bit cautious around each other, and that left a lot of space. And this is a fluid race, so that, that can be impactful. The first clash, of course, was healthcare, maybe the best yeah. clash of the night, healthcare, and it was Joe Biden saying, not so fast, and Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders basically saying, uh, full steam ahead. Who won that round? Well, I think it's hard to say. I mean, I think they, it's, both sides made their points quite well. And I had expected a debate that was going to be mostly like that, from topic to topic to topic. I mean, there are big issues. There are issues in the Democratic Party where Biden has very different views than Sanders and Warren. And you could have seen a debate that was really mostly dominated by those three individuals. I think with health care, you really got to see... 
Biden making his point, he's going to expand Obamacare, this Medicare for all idea that both Sanders and Warren support, he's saying is too expensive. And, and Sanders and Warren also got, made, got to make their pitch in sort of the best possible way. They got to say, look, we're talking about total cost to families, and their total cost will go down under this plan. And so you really got to hear both sides. And, you, you know, and, and, and from the people who are perhaps the best spokespeople for both sides, but on so many of the other issues, that kind of dynamic disappeared and dissipated. And I think that's sort of a shame. Do you think that Biden came with his game on tonight? The first debate, everybody said he looked like uh, he, he just phoned it in. Yeah. Uh, not tonight, huh? He was a lot more forceful, a lot more focused tonight. I mean, I think you had that moment with the moderators where he, um, in, in the past when he's been cut off, he just stopped speaking sort of even awkwardly at times. And this time he just said, look, no, I'm going to keep talking like everybody else does. So he seemed to bring a little bit of a different game to the debate today. Certainly. Uh, no clear winner. I don't think so, aside from this other, this sort of extra bottom tier of candidates that really did get a chance to get some face time in front of the country. And, I, you know, you will see, you know, where polling goes from here. But I think that they really benefited from having those moments. Thank you. And here in the spin room, Ryan Lizza, uh, just joining uh, Politico. Sorry. Yeah. Good to see you, Ryan. Thank you. Good to see you. How are you? Uh, the debate ended a little early tonight, but from what you saw, any clear winner? I think Biden. I really, th I think, you know, you go into it, the front runner, not only do you not make any major mistakes or um, have anyone challenge you in any really serious way, but you, early on, you take, he took the fight to Warren and Sanders on, on health care, very aggressive, pressed them on, you know, on sort of, he's, how, how are you going to pay for it? Um, and I think got the better of those exchanges, you know. Um, it, it and he like seemed just stylistically, he seemed to look like he had a little bit more energy. Let's be honest, he didn't look so great. He didn't perform so great the first two debates. It seemed like he had more energy, a little bit more of a of a of a focus and a, and, and a strategy. And this, frankly, this strategy of just hugging Barack Obama works. I don't, nobody's figured out a way to peel to peel the two of them away. You know, I saw a couple of a few different attempts tonight, but nobody's really figured out how you can attack any of the bad parts of the Obama legacy, or you can peel Biden away from Obama, who everyone loves. Right. And on the question of excitement versus electability, right? It looks like yeah, Biden's message is. I may not be the most exciting person on stage, but, but I've I, been there. I can win. Absolutely. Is it working? It's working so far. I mean, he's still got that core thirty percent that he's, you know, he got he had at the beginning of the year. Um, so I would be really surprised if this debate changed a whole lot. Um, you know, there's nothing that Warren did that. I mean, look, you know what it's like. These debates are always all about what we in the media play and talk about in the next few days, right? And so that's that's how you build momentum. That's why Kamala Harris's second debate, that one moment created a big bump in the polls for her because we all talked about it for weeks yeah, right. and it got her attention. So I always think about this is, is was there any moment in this debate that is going to get any of those non-Biden candidates attention for the next few days that they can translate into traction? I didn't see anything. Maybe, you? maybe better or rock on guns. Maybe. I, I, I agree with you there. That was like just a very 
up front, yes, we're taking your guns, something that you, you, know, you and I have been covering politics for a long time, right. and Democrats, they don't do that. And I think there are a lot of smart consultants will tell you it's still not the time to do that. One person who was obviously trying to break through yeah. was uh, uh, former Secretary Castro, Joaquin yeah. Castro. Uh, attacks that really were very personal, directed against Joe Biden. Yeah, yeah. Uh, over the line, backfire, or I don't think over the line. Point. I mean, there have been way harsher things said in Democratic primaries than that. Yeah. But um, he, you know, and, that, and those exchanges may be, I, I think Biden's exchange at the top of the debate with Bernie and Warren, where he took them on, and Castro's exchanges with Biden, those are the two that I think, you know, the, the news media will be most interested in. Yeah. Um, Castro tried to do something very interesting in this question about, you know, Obama and his legacy. Castro tried to claim it for himself, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, no, uh, I'm the Obama guy, not you. Yes, like, he had a very interesting line. It was like, I am going to, uh, you know, c c the unfinished business of the Obama era. You know, I'm the guy that can do that, not you, Joe Biden. And, you know, that, I, look, will that work? I don't know. Most voters, they think what they think of as they think all they think of is of, of Biden is he was Obama's vice president. They don't care about everything, anything he did before that. So it's going to be tough for Castro to suddenly reinvent himself as that person. Uh, but I agree with you. That may be the Castro may be the guy that people are talking about in the next few days. And yeah. that, that so could summing be, up, yeah. Biden was a front runner, front runner coming in and going out. Pretty much, pretty boring analysis. But I think that's it. <laughs> with you know, with yeah. some potential for someone like Beto and Castro to be the kind of flavor of the of the month, which is not a bad thing in a race like this. Right. Hey, thanks, Ryan. Good All right, thanks, you. man. All See right, you soon. And here with the candidate himself, Andrew Yang. How do you feel about tonight? I feel tremendous. Uh, people are so pumped about the Freedom Dividend. Our traffic went through the roof. And we can't wait to pick winners and see what they do with $1,000 a month. How will it work? Well, we're going to pick people at random. So if you have not yet done so, go to yang2020.com and uh, leave your email address. And then we're going to start picking winners at random. We're going to contact you, make sure that you're you know, an adult and a citizen and all that good stuff. Um, but then your obligation is just going to be to tell people what you're doing with the money and how $1,000 a month helps make you happier, healthier, less stressed out, uh, more active, more productive. So is this sort of a trial run for your original idea of uh, sort of a guaranteed income? Yeah, very much so. It's a real-life demonstration uh, of our flagship proposal, the Freedom Dividend of $1,000 a month. Right. Um, and um, you have qualified for the next debate? Yes. Uh, here in, in it till the end? Yeah, we'll, we'll be here the whole time. We're one of only a very small handful of campaigns um, that's been growing this whole time. So we're growing and surging at the exact right time. We're going to peak in February when it matters the most. All right. Good luck. Good to see you. See you, text. see you next time around. Yes, definitely. Here in the spin room, uh, talking with uh, Congressman Al Green from Texas. What district in Texas? The 9th Congressional District, which is just a few miles south of this location. And you are a proud graduate of Texas Southern University Law School. I am. Uh, and I'm proud of it for a multiplicity of reasons. Let me just give you one. There was not another law school in the country that would have taken me in, not one. I had no undergraduate degree. And Texas Southern saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And I'm eternally grateful for this institution. And Congressman, what did you see in tonight's debate? Was there any clear winner for you? Yes, 
Uh, Senator Harris uh, was on point. She was very clear. Uh, her clarity of thought on the issues, I think, came through. I also think that she personalized some of these things and made people understand the importance, for example, of gun violence uh, laws, because she talked about the eight-year-old child having to go through the drill. Uh, she was also very, very, very lucid when it came to questions related to uh, the economy itself and how we can build a better economy. So I, I see her as the winner and I'm proud to be a supporter. The front runner in the polls uh, continues to be uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, did he have a good night? Did he hold his own? Well, first of all, we're over 100 days away from Iowa. Polls will fluctuate. You'll see ups and downs, ebbs and flows. Uh, I have great respect for the Vice President, but I'm a Harris supporter. And if anything, he was number two. She was number one. What does this feel? Do you think now, Congressman, that we see the final, at least the 10 finalists, or maybe the three or four or five top finalists? Well, Senator Harris has remained consistently in the top four. And uh, I believe that she will climb the ladder. Uh, she has demonstrated since uh, the last debate that she can make friends. And when people get to know her, they have a greater amount of respect and appreciation for her intellect and her courage. So I think that as we progress toward Iowa, uh, she's going to go up in the polls. And when we get to Iowa, I think we're going to see a candidate who is ready to be president. Uh, well, she's got a strong supporter in you, for sure. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks for talking with us tonight. Thank you. Right. You're the best. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie. Talking now with uh, Congressman uh, Ruben Gallegos from Arizona, 7th Congressional District of Arizona, a supporter of Senator Kamala Harris. Yes. So uh, dare I ask you, uh, who's the big winner tonight? Certainly the senator was uh, the, the big winner, and there's other winners, but I think she uh, performed uh, the strongest. Uh, she was solid throughout. Uh, you know, she's a happy warrior up there on stage, and I think uh, this is a very solid win for her. Uh, and um, everybody has said it's going to be a big contest between the three front runners, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden. Yeah. How'd they do? Well, look, I think you saw Elizabeth Warren, uh, of course, continuing to have a solid performance. And I think uh, the other two contenders were obviously still doing their best. But at the end of the day, it, it wasn't uh, the, as predicted. It's just going to be dominated by three people because you saw someone like uh, Kamala being able to move, move up and, and really take center stage. On the issue of criminal justice reform, mm -hmm. it always comes up yep. that as a DA, she had some different opinions for different policies than she does today. Has she dealt with that sufficiently? I think so, and I think also it's really unfair that people aren't allowed to grow. I mean, she has a strong uh, career uh, in criminal justice reform, uh, both on the prosecutor but also as a state senator, and she instituted a lot of very progressive policies while she was a state prosecutor. But, you know, we've seen, uh, you know, a pass be given to Biden. We've seen a pass been given to, to Bernie uh, on some of their past pieces of legislation. For some reason, no, uh, the one woman who actually has the most experience in this area has, has not been given the same leeway, even though she has clearly moved beyond those types of policy ideas. Uh, there is a lot of stories about the fact that she uh, really bounced up after the first debate, but the summer was sort of a, a lull period for her. Kind of, do you see it that way? And is she bouncing back now? Well, I think she, I don't agree that there was a lull. I mean, I think every campaign has its ebbs and flows, but clearly she uh, has, uh, was prepared for this debate. Um, being a new endorsee of her, I can tell you that there is a lot of excitement 
uh, you know, both online and, and in the field for her. And I think she's showing that by, again, uh, having a strong performance. And I bet the polling is going to show the same thing. And it's good to end with the uh, host of tonight's debate, <laughs> chairman of the Democratic National Committee, Mr. Chairman Tom Perez. What do you think? I thought it was a great debate. I thought it was really substantive, Bill. You know, if health care is your number one issue as a voter, you have real clarity of what the choices are. Everybody wants universal health care. We want to make sure that everyone has access to quality, affordable health care. You know, we're 80, 85 percent of the way there. And there's undeniable and significant differences of opinion. And I think they crystallized tonight. So you can ask the question, if that's my number one issue, okay. Uh, and I want to go in direction A, well, there's two or three candidates that are aligned with me. That's what debates are about, is it, it not only understanding where people stand on issues, but I think we got a, a pretty good window into people's moral compass tonight, because there were a lot of discussions about really basic issues that are fundamental to who we are as a nation. You know, discussions about race. Um, the question at the end about, you know, what describe a setback. That was an opportunity for people to really, you know, open up their soul to folks. And I, I want in my president, I want to know, like, when times are tough, what's he or she going to do for me? And I, I think people had an opportunity to get a better handle on, you know, what, what they're going to fight for. And so I, I feel, I feel um, very, very um, excited about where we're at. Any clear winner? I think anyone who cares about issues was a real winner tonight. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Okay, right, sorry we didn't discuss hand size. See you, <laughs> See you next time. All right. Take care, Bill. Okay. You're always welcome. Don't forget. Now, to all of those comments, let me add a couple of my own about the debate. One, unlike most of the other people I talked to, I think there was a clear winner in Houston, and that is Joe Biden. Look, all the others came in with the intention of knocking him down. They didn't. Joe Biden walked in the front runner. He walked out the front runner. He was especially strong, I believe, in the first 20 minutes of the debate on health care, where he more than held his own against Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, showing that he had maybe a more reasonable, a more realistic approach to health care. And let's face it, those first 20 minutes were, were, were when most Americans were watching. After him, I think Beto O'Rourke had a good night. He had the best night, maybe of all of his nights so far, certainly. Very, very strong on guns, on assault weapons, and notice that others didn't attack him. They praised him. So Beto may be running an unorthodox campaign, but he proved uh, he is still a major player. Poor Bernie Sanders fighting a sore throat, but still uh, he had a strong night. He is clearly the most defiant, the most unapologetic, the most progressive of all the candidates. That's who he is. He's not going to change. He'll be there right in through the, to the convention. Um, I think he had a good night. Not a great night. He didn't necessarily gain anything, but I don't think he lost anything either. If anybody lost a little bit, I think it was Elizabeth Warren. I mean, people expected her to dominate the debate. Uh, they expected her to really knock out, a knockout punch for Bernie Sanders and uh, Joe Biden, both, and to come out as the clear front runner now in the Democratic primary. Um, she didn't walk off the stage that way. Again, didn't hurt herself. Not sure she gained a lot either. Uh, there are a couple of others that had a good moment here and there. Certainly uh, Amy Klobuchar, a couple of good lines. Cory Booker speaks very, very well, very convincing. Kamala Harris had her moment, certainly, particularly her opening statement where she spoke directly to Donald Trump. 
and then told them to go back uh, and uh, go back to watch Fox News. Uh, they each had their moment, but not enough, I don't believe, to raise them up in the ratings. Most of all, my strongest impression watching that debate is that the Democratic Party was lucky that the field of candidates has now been cut in half because we saw on the debate stage in Houston 10 outstanding candidates. Each one of them is more experienced, more qualified, more fit to be president of the United States than Donald Trump. And I really believe that we saw on the stage in Houston the next president of the United States. And that's it from Houston. That's it from the Spin Room. That's it for this edition of the Bill Press Pod. Thank you so much for listening. Very, very special edition of the Bill Press Pod coming up next. Get the latest on impeachment and the latest on how the Progressive Caucus is shaping the entire agenda of Democrats in the House of Representatives under the leadership co-chair of the Progressive Caucus, Congressman Mark Pocan from Wisconsin 2nd Congressional District joins us as our special guest in the Bill Press Pod. That's next. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great, great couple of days. Stay strong. We'll see you on the next edition of the Bill Press Pod. Have you ever wondered how to say good morning in Italian? Or what is goodbye in French? You can ask Alexa. Just say, what is happy birthday in German? Or how do you say hello in Japanese? Do you want to know how to say I love you in Spanish? Ask Alexa and start learning a new language today.